hearts and our minds to receive your word because you have a word for us this morning, Jesus. And we thank you that we can be here. We thank you that we have a building to come together. And we thank you that we have the freedom to be in this house together. And I pray that every man, woman, child, and teenager that's here would leave different than when they came in, Father. And as they feel and know your presence this morning, I pray for bodies to be healed, marriages to be restored, finances to be miraculously taken from nothing to something. God, I pray for pain to be gone. I pray for doubt and fear to run away and hope to come into this place. We declare these things in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. You can be seated this morning. Amen. Tell someone next to you, I'm glad you're here. Amen. It's good to see you this morning. Welcome all who are watching online this morning. It's a packed house in here. We can't wait till you get here. We say all the time that we know we still have a group of people who are staying away for their health and their safety. They're, they're uh, uh, elderly and would love to be here. Amen. But they're not here, but they're watching online. And let's let them know we love them this morning. Let's just give them a uh, hello of from church this morning, tell them that we're glad they're with us. Amen. Uh, as they said earlier, if you're visiting, it's your first time. We're so glad you're here. I see some faces I haven't seen for a while. It's good to see you as well. See some faces from last week. Amen. Some faces I don't know. Uh, get, I hope, hope to get to meet you after the service. Amen. I always go over to the Welcome Center, so if you want to, uh, I'd love to meet you if you want to come over there after. Um, we got a powerful word this morning from the Lord. Amen. God really moved in our first service, and I want to uh, get right into it if we can, uh, right off this praise and worship. And uh, I want to ask you a question this morning. How many know we've got a messed up world? Amen. Our, our world's messed up, and there's a lot of problems in it. There's a lot of trials and struggles and situations, and things happen all the time that we don't understand. And things go on all the time that don't make sense, and things happen that we wonder, whose fault is that? And how many know a lot of times when we look at the situations in society, we, we point the finger a lot. I'll never forget my pastor teaching us that when you, when you point the finger at somebody, you have three fingers pointing back at you. Amen? And uh, I want to talk this morning about whose fault is it that our world is so messed, you know, messed up. We just had, just, just, you know, you just open the news any day. It's not hard to find uh, things that are going on. That's why I don't watch the news that are going on that are negative and uh, just Thursday, there was another shooting in Indianapolis, and uh, ten, eight people were killed by a 19-year-old boy. And uh, then last month, um, that shooting in, uh, um, in uh, where was it? Thank you. Colorado killed 10 people. And, that, those are th and that's just in our country. Things are happening like that all over the world, and things are happening that are bad all the time. And, and as I began to think about this and put this together this week, I want to ask you a question first, of all, first and foremost. How many want me to preach to you what the Lord tells me to preach? Not, not what I want to preach, but what the Holy Spirit tells me to preach. I, really, I don't say that to lift me up, but I really pray and I really try to hear the voice of God and really bring you a message that the Lord wants me to preach. And sometimes it's real clear and sometimes it's a bunch of stuff that i got to put together in a thought. And I started thinking about this and wondering what I wanted to preach about. And I had several uh, titles and several thoughts. And this is the one I want you to look at this morning. Whose fault is it that all this stuff's going on in the world? It's our fault. No amen there. Okay, see? 
I know I'm preaching the right message then this morning. Because if you were a good disciple, you'd have been like, yes, amen. It's my fault. See how it says, it's, and then behind it says, their fault. That's what we are so good at as, as people and human beings is blaming somebody else. Here's my train of thought this morning that I want to talk to you about. I'm going to go to the, Lord, to the words of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. But a lot of times we blame the devil for things. And there's no doubt, I want you to remember this, he'll take the credit. How many know the devil will always take the credit? They're like ISIS. If they didn't do the terrorist attack, they'll take the credit for it. The devil will take the credit, but it's not always the devil's fault. And it's, we can say it's sin, and we can say it's this, and we can say it's that. We say, Whose fault was it that that 19-year-old boy went and killed all those people? It's our fault. I know that sounds crazy, but you're gonna, it's going to make more sense here in a minute. We need to learn that things that are going on around the world uh, could have been stopped, could have been prevented. Amen? And I kind of want to talk about that this morning, but the other part of the message that I was going to say, and I want you to just take this in your notes, if you take notes, is write, down, write this down, is, is, is tough love. Tough love. How many know it's hard to love? Amen? It's hard to love, and uh, God wants to talk to us about that a little this morning, and, and I believe that if we would all have more compassion, and, and we would all answer the call of Jesus' words that we're going to talk about this morning, we could see a different world that we live in. Our, wor our world could be different. I believe that with all my heart. I want to start off in John chapter 13. And I want to think about, I want you to get you to think about something this morning. And I've obviously read these verses before, but I have never preached this message. I'm always amazed by God that when I get a message that I've never even had this line of thought before, and it's totally fresh and totally new and exciting. How many know God's got something new for us all the time? And so John 13, verse 34 says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you. Now I want to ask you a question. Is anybody in here this morning, can, you, can anybody honestly say that you are loving like Jesus loves you? I didn't think I was going to get a hand. Amen. And, and, if you, and you might say, well, I'm just being humble. I do love. No, none of us love like Jesus loves us. But since we don't love like Jesus loves us, so we just say, well, I, since I can't and I don't, I won't. Right? Sometimes we, we kinda be, we're kind of complacent. We think, well, if I can't be like Jesus, then why even try? Jesus wants us to try to be like him. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. And so there's, there's something about reaching up for, for, for holiness and reaching up to be like Jesus. In church, if you really love God this morning, you should want to be more like Jesus every day. Amen. More like in his image, more like he thinks, more like he acts. And he says here, I give you a new commandment that you'd love one another as I have loved you also love one another. So that is a command. It's not a question. And it's also tough love. That's tough to love like that. But that's just the beginning. Watch what he goes on to say. By this, all. How many know all means the whole world? He says, if you will love one another like I love you, the whole world will know that you are my disciples. How is the world going to know that Jesus is Lord and Jesus is a Savior? He says they're going to know by the love that you have for other people. He says, if you love one, have love one for another. 
So this is a verse that is a serious challenge from God. And, and if we left it right there, it wouldn't be so hard because he's kind of vague there and he doesn't really say a whole lot about who those people are that he wants us to love. He just says love one another. So he says love everybody. And what we're good at is loving people that are lovable. Right? We're pretty good at that. Maybe we're not even good at that. We should at least be good at loving people that are lovable. Like, if you can't love lovable people, you're really in trouble. Amen. But we have that down sometimes. Like, I love my wife. I love my kids. I love my family. I love, and we kind of, you know, that's what Jesus wants me to do. But how many know that's not, what, that's not all? I want you to think about this boy again that I just mentioned. And I want you to think, who dropped the ball? telling that boy about Jesus. Because if somebody would have reached that boy with the gospel, he wouldn't have gone and killed eight people with a gun at his old place of employment at 19 years old. I want to ask you a question if you stay on this train of thought with me. Which parents did not love God the way they were supposed to love God and raise their kid in the gospel and the ways they raise their kid in the way he should go, like Proverbs 22, 6 says, so that when he's 19 years old, he's going off to college or he's starting a career or he's looking for his wife or he's doing something productive and he's not going uh, to hell by killing people and shooting himself. Who dropped the ball? We did. It's our fault. That's just going to sound crazy, but it's our fault that that boy killed those people. I know that sounds crazy. But we, we, we will look, look at that and say that's somebody else's fault. But somebody dropped the ball, and I, 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 I believe we trace things back, and we trace things back wherever he was that was again in, in Indianapolis. Someone over there was supposed to witness to him, witness to his parents, witness to his family. Someone had an opportunity to share their faith with him and tell him about Jesus and tell him a different way. Or maybe they did, but he didn't listen. But there's something going on there to where that man gets to that place where that little boy, that young 19-year-old kills people. Somebody messed up. Somebody didn't love like they were supposed to love. Are you with me? How about Timothy McVeigh? I didn't realize it in the first service. I used him as an example. I want you to think about circumstances that happen, things that we see in the news or things that we see that happen in this world, and we go, wow, that's horrible. But do we ever think about why or how it happened? Timothy McVeigh, tomorrow is the 26th anniversary of the Oklahoma City bombing. Who didn't reach out to Timothy McVeigh on his way to Oklahoma City to bomb? Who didn't reach out to Timothy McVeigh when he was in high school? Who didn't reach out to his parents when they were raising him? Who did not do what they were supposed to do? It's our fault. It's our fault. It's the church's fault. If the church was doing what the church is supposed to do, the world would be saved. Can I get a better amen? It's our fault. We're not, we're not being the church. When I say the church, I don't mean just mean victory or outreach. I mean the church in the world, all over the world, the kingdom of God, the one body of Christ. We're not being what God calls to be because Jesus said that we're salt. And he said if salt loses its saltiness, what good is it? Today, we as a church have lost our saltiness, our effect on the world. We have gotten too busy. We've gotten too caught up. We've gotten uh, involved in other things. We talked last week about idols. And now we don't love like Jesus wants us to love. And so people are doing things we could have prevented if we would have done what we were supposed to do. Let's read on again in Matthew 22. Stay with me. I'm not making a new doctrine here. This will all make sense. Matthew chapter 22, verse 1. 
Verse 34. When the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, the two groups of religious people, he was talking in the prior verses about the resurrection, whether we were going to resurrect or not. They gathered together, and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question and said, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? I love when people ask questions like that. How many know Jesus was like, I'm so glad you asked? And how many like simple answers? Like, if we could just figure this out, like, how do I know for sure I'm, the, I'm living the life I'm supposed to be living, doing what I'm supposed to do? Well, the good thing is Jesus is about to tell us. How can, what is the greatest commandment? He says, watch what he says. He says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and with all your mind. Okay, how many could say honestly this morning? Maybe you're trying, but you could say honestly, without a doubt, you love God with everything you are, everything you have, everything in your mind. Amen. That should be our goal, that we love God over everything, that we're falling in love with him more every day. He says, that's the first commandment, that you love me. And then he says, and this is the second that is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments, watch this, on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. He says, everything you need to do in your life to be successful hangs on this, love me and love other people. There's actually a song on the radio, love people, love God. But that's not easy. It's tough love. It's tough to do that. It's tough to love people. Amen. And then watch what it finishes saying. It says, uh, oh, sorry, that was it. So you love your, I want to read that one more time. So you love your neighbor as yourself on these two commandments, hang all the law and all the prophets. But Jesus doesn't stop there. So we're like, okay, I got this. I need to love God. I need to go to church. I need to read my Bible. I need to pray. I need to, uh, you know, love the Lord more and, and just say, and then I need to make sure I love my wife and love my kids. And that's good. But he doesn't stop there. Watch what Jesus says in Luke chapter, chapter 6. This is why it's tough love. Verse 27, but I say to you who hear, and here's where it gets tough, love your enemies. Love your enemies. Why couldn't Jesus have just left it alone? Right? Love those around you. Love those that love you. Be good to people. Why did he have to go here? Why did he have to tell us to love our, and he doesn't just say love them, do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Some of y'all are out. Some of you are like, I'm, I'm not coming back. First, first time here and last. Bless those who curse you. But these aren't my words, praise God. Don't kill the messenger. This is Jesus' words. And Jesus has a plan all the way from Genesis chapter 1 that the world would be saved. And he says, I want you to bless those who curse you. I want you to pray for those who spitefully use you. That means they use you on purpose. It means they know what they're doing. He says, pray for them. He says, love them. To him who strikes you on one cheek, offer the other also. And from him who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Man, this is tough. Give to everyone who asks of you. And from him who takes away from your goods, do not take them back. 
And just as you want men to do to you, I want to leave this up there for a second, please. This verse 31. Just as you want men to do to you, do to them likewise. How would the world change, church, this morning if we would all try to do that? Try. Try. How would it, how would it be if I tried to talk to my wife and love my wife and love my kids and love you and love the person at the gas station or talk to the person at the gas station or the store or the coworker how I would want to be talked to. I, 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 I've had people say things to me over the years. Not a lot, thank God, but I've had people say things to me. And I thought to myself, I, I could, that could never even enter my mind to talk to my pastor like that. I couldn't, it could, I couldn't, not because I'm so great, I just, how, I couldn't even fathom saying what they just said to me because I respect that man so much. Are you with me? Or we, we, when we want something done or, or whatever, we can get so caught up in, in life that we don't even think about who we're talking to or stop and look him in the eye and treat him like we want to be treated. You know, a lot of people are desperate for love and they're desperate for things that they've never had. A lot of people in here this morning, you have a hard time loving because no one's ever loved you. And, and God wants somebody in your life to teach you how to love. God wants somebody around you to show you the example that Jesus is. Because this is the crazy thing. I'm going to say this a little bit later. We've got to get right right now. We've got to understand. God chose and intended for the gospel to be preached to the whole world through us. Through us. Can you look at the person next to you and said, he said you. Amen. Tell them next to you, it's our fault that this world's lost. Do you believe that? You don't have to, but I'm going to show you it is. It's our fault because I don't believe we're loving like Jesus is asking us to love. And I'm not saying it's easy. And I'm not saying that I do it right. I, I preach to me first before I ever preach to you. But I want to be better at being the example that Jesus is to this world. I want to be the person in my life that loves God so much that my life puts out who Jesus is. That I can have that attitude and at least, at the very least, think as I'm talking to somebody. What would happen next time you say something if you'd think and say, would I want to be talked to like that? Would I want to be treated like this? At just the very least of stopping and thinking about it before you do it. Would I want some, I mean, how would the world change? It would change. Maybe somebody could have just loved on Timothy McVeigh a little more. Maybe a teacher could have had a little more patience with them. Maybe that boy that just killed somebody had no father. Maybe he had good parents, but someone treated him like a bully at school. I don't know the situation, but I just know somewhere along the way, nobody reached that boy with Jesus. And somebody dropped the ball, and it's our fault as, as a church that these things are happening. Now, Jesus, how many know that's hard, what he said so far? Now get ready for this, because he's going to go further. Further. So if you're already out and this is your last service, we're going to make it a good last service. Amen. Watch what he says in verse 32. He says, but if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those 
who love them. I love Jesus' words. I hate them and love them at the same time. He's tough. See, everybody, it's funny because everybody made Jesus out to be weak. He was tough. But how many know that Jesus wouldn't ask us to do something that we can't do? And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you for even sinners do the same? And if you lend to those from whom you hope to receive back, what credit is that to you for even sinners lend to sinners to receive much back? But love your enemies and do good and lend, hoping for nothing in return, and your reward will be great. How many want a great reward? Amen? A great reward. If we want a great reward, we have to greatly love. And he says, and you will be the sons of the Most High. Now listen, how many want to be sons and daughters of God? He says here, you will be if you do these things. So if we want to be the sons of God, we need to fulfill what he's asking us to do. And he says, for he, God, is kind to the unthankful and the evil. Thankful, sorry, therefore be merciful just as your father is also merciful. We forget, church, when we get saved. I'm just assuming that you're saved here. And if you're not saved, today you can be saved. Today we're going to give an opportunity for you to change your life for the rest of your life for eternity. Like many people have and some every, do every week. Today you can have that opportunity in just a few minutes to change your life. To put your hands in the hands of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. But we, if, if I'm talking to you as a believer, because I want you to make more disciples, and God wants you to spread his word. He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Teaching them all the things that you've learned. Baptizing in the name of Jesus Christ. He says, that, he says, that's, is, and always has been, and I said this a few minutes ago, God's way to fulfill his call on us on earth. Through us. Do you realize that? that? That that's what he chose? He chose that the whole world would be saved through us. He did the work on the cross. His Holy Spirit enables us. But he says those people are not going to get saved if you don't do what you're supposed to do. That boy, Timothy McVeigh, that murderer in, 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 uh, in uh, I keep forgetting the cities, Colorado, you name it, all these things that are happening. There's people sitting in the jail right now in Denton County. Somebody should have reached. Might be your neighbor, might be your coworker. You might be here and be one of those people that was in jail. Or be one of those people that was going towards that path. How many realize this morning, just because you're sitting here in church doesn't mean you've arrived? Sodom and backslid. Sodom went back to his old ways. People in the Bible go back. So just because you're sitting here right now doesn't mean you've arrived. You've got to stay in love with God. Because there's no telling what, what you can do. Some of, the, some of the worst people in the world are ex-Christians. Backsliders. The Bible says the Spirit comes back seven times stronger to them. It comes back and enters them. So we've got to understand, we're, we haven't made it yet. But we are part of God's call. And he says God has always intended for us to fulfill his call on earth. Always. If you don't believe that, I'm going to show you. Look at Ezekiel chapter 22, verse 30. Now I want you to read later all of that chapter. You can use that homework. And I also want you to read uh, Ezekiel chapter 3, 
And the Bible tells us in, in, in that chapter of Ezekiel 3 that when we tell somebody their sin and witness to them that their blood and, and, they, and they don't listen, that's on them. But if we don't warn people and don't tell them about the Lord, their blood's on us. Now watch this. So God says, I sought for a man or a woman among them who would make a wall and stand in the gap. I want, you to, I want you to focus on this verse. If you don't get anything else out of this message, get this. He says, I'm looking for somebody. Other verses uh, say that his eyes go to and fro, looking on the earth, people who have his heart, people who he can use. And so he says, I need someone to stand in the gap. I need someone to rise up and be different. I need someone to be the salt, the light in this earth. He's calling all of us. He says, I just need one, to, I need one of you to stand up. And stand in the gap before me, watch this, on behalf of the land, that I should not destroy it. But what happened? If you don't believe what I'm telling you, if you don't believe it's our fault, what, what does it say? He found no one. You know what that means? That means there are moments and situations and times in this earth when people do things. Yes, they're responsible for them personally, but they did it because no one stood in the gap for them. They did it because nobody reached them. They did it because no one witnessed to them. They did it because no one told them what they, that there was a, de- a better way. The Bible says that we are literally pulling people out of the flames of hell when we save them. That every single one of us this morning, whether you were saved last week or 50 years ago, you were headed to hell. That's where you were going. That was your destination, whether you knew it or not. As a sinner, that's where you were going. And somebody, thank God, along the way, opened their mouth, showed love to you, and did what Jesus asked. And you stood in the gap. Someone stood in the gap for you. And because they stood in the gap for you, you're sitting here in this chair this morning by the grace and the mercy of God. Amen. Not because you're a good person, but because somebody stood in the gap for you. And they saved your life. But there are times when God says, I find nobody. Who's going to stand? As we get closer and closer to the return of Jesus, things get harder and harder. Where's the church? Stat- statistics say the decline of Christians is going down every year. I don't believe all the stats all the time because there's a real church that they don't even know. But I'm just saying in general, they're saying Christians are going down. And, and it seems like the world's going to hell. And it seems like it's getting worse and worse. But, so we're just like, well, just come, Lord Jesus. And we all want to go home. I want to go home. But until we go home, we got work to do. People are out there dying, and they're your neighbor, they're your coworker, they're the person that you don't like. Is there somebody, let me hit you real hard this morning, is there somebody in your life you don't want to go to heaven? Is there somebody in here that you don't care if they, you hate them so much that you want them to go to hell? We cannot be Christians and hate someone so much that we don't want them to go to heaven. I don't want my worst enemy to go to heaven. To hell, I mean. I want them to go to heaven because that's what Jesus said we're supposed to do. We're supposed to love our enemies. It's quiet in here, but it's truth. What are we doing to save the world? Yes, they're sinners. Yes, they're messed up. Yes, they're wrong. Yes, they're vile. Yes, they're wicked. Yes, they are. They're all those things. But so were you. And so was I. Oh, but you forgot already. Has somebody forgotten here what you used to be? Ephesians says, as you once were. 
I don't care if you were raised in church as the most perfect person in the world. You're wicked. Without Jesus, you're lost. The Bible says our righteousness is like filthy rags. There's nobody that's good in here without Jesus. So don't forget where you came from. Don't forget what God saved you from. You need to be the hand that reaches out to somebody and saves their life. And if you don't, it's our fault. The next tragedy that happens in this world is our fault. The church's fault. Because we're not being the church that he called us to be. Now I'm going to finish by showing you this, if you don't believe me. How many of you remember, and we're going to go to Genesis. Just a few weeks or months ago, I preached a message on Sodom and Gomorrah. We were talking about grace. We were talking about wrath. I mentioned in the service that that city was destroyed and it's desolate today, even thousands of years later. It still looks the same. It's ashes and ruins. And those brimstones, the Bible says fire and brimstone came down from heaven and burned that city up. And they would, these documentary goes and they grab the brimstone and they light it on fire. And after thousands of years, it immediately catches fire and turns blue-purple flames which is the hottest flame there is. It didn't go from yellow to blue. It's immediate blue, showing the fire that came from heaven. And when we think of Sodom and Gomorrah, I'm going to mess your thinking up for a second. I'm going to mess my thinking up. When we think of Sodom and Gomorrah, we think, God, thank God he destroyed that, that city. Thank God those wicked people died. And we think that Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed because of those wicked people. And yes, there's a truth to that. But I'm going to show you something. Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed for lack of people standing in the gap. For lack of believers preaching the gospel. For lack of people loving their enemies. Oh, it's quiet in here. Genesis chapter 18, verse 22. So God, Abraham goes to God. Watch this. He says, God, I don't want you to, to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. Thank God he had that heart. And it says the men turned away from there and went to Sodom and Abraham. Now remember the verse a few minutes ago when I said he was looking for someone to stand before the Lord and there was none. So Abraham's standing before the Lord. Will you you stand before the Lord this morning? Can God find some people in here this morning that will stand before the Lord? Can God find some people in here this morning that aren't looking around to see what anybody else is doing, but they'll just say, I'm standing no matter what, whether anybody else does or not. Amen. I see those hands. I see that. Amen. Stand for the Lord. Amen. Thank you, Susan. I love that heart. Verse 24. Sorry, sorry, I didn't read 23. And Abraham came and said, would you... Watch this. Would you also destroy the righteous with the wicked? Okay, we know that. Suppose there were 50 righteous people within the city. God, if, if, if I can find 50 righteous people, would you not destroy that place? So he's, he's pleading with God. And, and not spirit, sorry, I'm going finish right there. And, and, and not spirit for the 50 righteous that were in it. Next verse. Far be it from you to do such a thing as this, to slay the righteous with the wicked, so that the righteous should be as the wicked. Far be it from you. Shall you not judge, shall, shall not the judge of the earth do right? So he's pleading with God. The Lord says, if I find, watch this, if I find 50 righteous people in that city, 
then I will spare all the place for their sakes. Are you all reading with me? And then Abraham answered and said, Indeed, now I who am but dust and ashes have taken it upon myself to speak to the Lord. Suppose there were five less. Now Abraham is looking around at the church and he's going, I think I spoke too soon. Fifty's a lot. Lord, what if five less were righteous? What if I could find five, 45 people who were righteous and loved God with all their heart, soul, and mind, and strength, and loved their enemies, and loved others as they loved themselves? What if I could find 45? Would you destroy the city for lack of 45? He says, if I find 45, I will not destroy it. And he spoke to him yet again and said, suppose there be 40. He's starting to do inventory. Lord, 40? I won't do it for 40. I know you got to aim high and come down. He says, let the Lord not be angry and I will speak. Suppose 30 be found there. So he said, I will not do it if I find 30 righteous people. Is anybody seeing where this is going? And he said, indeed, now I've taken it upon myself to speak to the Lord. Suppose 20 should be found there. He says, I won't, listen to this. God says, I won't destroy it for the sake of 20 righteous people. Verse 33. Oh, sorry, 33, 32. And the Lord said, let not the Lord be angry. I will speak. Should 10 be found? He went all the way from 50 to 10. And God says, I will not destroy it for the sake of 10. How many know Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed? Whose fault was that? Whose fault? Was it the wicked or the righteous? It was the wicked that were doing the sin, but it was the righteous that failed to be righteous. And 10 people couldn't be found. So whose fault was Sodom and Gomorrah? The people who didn't stand the gap. It's our fault. Do you see that? If there would have been more people in love with God, if there would have been more people reaching out and more people witnessing and more people doing the greatest commandment, which is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength, and then the second commandment, love your neighbor as yourself, Sodom and Gomorrah wouldn't have been destroyed. God is saying to us this morning, I want to save this whole world, but I need you to help me. I choose you to help me. So destinies change when a person listens to the voice of the Holy Spirit. When I was sitting in that church service, rebellious on October 4th of 1992, with sunglasses on in the back of the church, arms crossed, wanting the service to be over, a man stood in the gap for me and preached hell. He told me about hell. And that's what the Holy Spirit told him to speak tonight, and that's what I needed. Some of you are like, yes, that's it. That's what I wanted to hear. I get to preach hell. Sometimes you don't need to preach hell. Sometimes, sometimes you need to preach grace and love and mercy. It depends. You know what you need to preach? What the Holy Spirit tells you to preach. You know what you need to say to that coworker and that, and that person that you're dealing with? What the Holy Spirit tells you to. How many times here in this place, church, have you had God speak to you, maybe even this week, to a coworker? to a person at the gas station, to a person in the store, and they, God said, speak to them, tell them something about me, 
and you didn't do it. Let me see your hand. I'll raise mine first. How many have missed that opportunity? All of us. Whose fault was that? Ours. We were too lazy. We were too busy. We were too scared. We were too whatever. But what if that person we were supposed to witness to was the kid who killed people in Indiana last week? What if the person we were supposed to witness to was the father or the mother of Timothy McVeigh? And they were going to go home and teach their kid how to be a Christian. And Y'all following what I'm saying? It's so important, church, that we preach the gospel in love and that we love people that are hard to love. And then we just follow his, his command and we all need to get better at it. Because Sodom and Gomorrah would not have been destroyed if more people would have been living right. So John 13, last again, we read it in the beginning, says, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another. As I have loved you, love also one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. Would you bow your heads with me? Holy Spirit, thank you for being here. Holy Spirit, thank you for speaking to us. God, we all fall short of your glory. God, we all fail. None of us are worthy this morning of this great salvation. And for some reason, Lord, you chose at the very beginning before time even began, as that song said, as you were God from the very beginning, you chose that this world would be saved through Jesus but they would know who Jesus is through us. Today, God, we ask you to touch our hearts. God, we ask you to help us forgive. We ask you to help us learn how to love people, learn how to treat people the way we want to be treated. Jesus, we ask you to speak to our hearts today and let us leave different than when we came in. As you're listening right now to the Holy Spirit. He's here and He's speaking to you right now. All across this place, from front to back and side to side, in every chair, every person, every man, every woman, every teenager, how many today would say, I'm listening to you talk about this Jesus and I don't know Him personally, but I want to. I want to know who Jesus is. I want to accept what He did on the cross for my salvation. I want to believe on him this morning. God is touching my heart right now and I want to be born again. I want to know that I don't have to go to hell. I want to know that I can have eternal life with God. How many in this place all over could say, would you pray with me right now just by lifting up your hand and putting it right back down. Just put it up. I see your hand. I see your hand. I see your hand. I see your hand. How many more all over this place? Just put it up and put it down. I need Jesus this morning. I want Jesus to come into my life. I want, I want to give Jesus lordship of my life. How many more? I'm going to wait just a moment. If you're here, listen, I'm going to ask you a question. If you're here right now, how do you know if you need Jesus? If you're here and you died today, the Bible says that life is like a vapor. Today it's here and one, one day it's here and the next day it's gone. If you're here and you don't know for sure where you'd spend eternity, then you need to give Jesus Christ your life. Jesus said these words, I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life. And no one goes unto the Father in heaven with, except through me. 
He's the door. So if you're not sure this morning, I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. I'm preaching the gospel to you in love this morning. And you have to accept it or reject it. That's the truth, church. There are people who are still going to blow up buildings. There are people who are still going to murder. There are people who are still going to make mistakes. They're going to make their ultimate decision. But did you do your part to tell them about Jesus? We all have free will. What if somebody would have ministered more to Pharaoh? What if somebody would have discipled Judas better? Did those people have to end their lives the way they ended their lives? They had a choice, but maybe they didn't see good examples. I want God to use my life as an example that would cause other people to want to serve Jesus. How many more this morning? If you're not sure, this is your chance. Just lift your hand up and put it back down. We want to pray for you this morning all over this place. I need Jesus. Maybe you're here and you're backslidden. You know the Lord, but you've ran away. You're running away from him this morning. You're, you're not where you used to be. You're like that prodigal son that's out doing things he knows he's not supposed to do, and it's time to come home today. How many could say, Pastor, that's me? That's me. Hey, man, I see your hand. Maybe you're online right now. You're watching online or Facebook or YouTube. You're listening on the podcast, and you don't know Jesus. Today, we're going to say a prayer with you right now at the end of this service, and you can give your life to the Lord. I want to ask everyone to stand all across this place, if you would. And quickly, without hesitation, if you raised your hand in this place, or maybe you didn't, but you know that you're not in good standing with God today, you haven't put your faith in Jesus, would you just step out of your seat to the nearest aisle and come down to this front altar and make a public confession of your faith and say, I'm going to live my life for Jesus. I'm going to give Him everything I have. Come on, how many maybe didn't raise your hand, but you know you need to come. You know you need to give your life to Jesus this morning. Amen. Maybe you're making some decisions still, trying to get things right. Amen. Praise God. Come on, church. How many more? How many more? How many more? Maybe you didn't raise your hand, but right now something's telling you, I need to get down there. I need to make a decision right now. Tomorrow's not promised. Amen. Amen. Maybe you just need to rededicate your life to the Lord. Praise God. Let's say this prayer all together, those that are watching online as well. Lord Jesus, thank you for your mercy. I know that while I was a sinner, you died for me. I believe in my heart, and I confess with my mouth, Jesus Christ is Lord. I believe in my heart. And confess with my mouth that he rose from the dead and conquered death, hell, and the grave. Jesus, from this day forward, I reject sin and rebellion and pride. And I humble myself and I give you my life. Take control. You're everything to me. I want to live for you. I ask you to forgive me for all of my sins all of my failures, all of my shortcomings. Please write my name in the Lamb's book of life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord praise for these decisions this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. As we stay in this attitude of praise and worship, I want to open the altars. I was really bold in the first service and I said 
we all need to be better at this. This is one of those times where if you're not a normal altar call responder, today's your day. Because we all need to get better at witnessing. We all need to do better at loving people. We all, even if you think you're good, I can love more. I can be more like Jesus. I can love my enemy more. I can stop wanting someone to go to hell because they're wicked and say, God, please transform them. Please change them. And remember that that was me. And have compassion. Amen. There's plenty of room at this altar. Can we all come and find a place somewhere along this altar in the chairs at the front? 